Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies. So happy Monday and happy pre slash early Thanksgiving to everyone. I know the holidays are, this is pretty much the holiday season and why it can be a great time for a lot of people. For some people, the holidays are not as joyous and happy as they are for others. For some reason, the holidays, as I become older, the holidays have become a time that I don't really care for. Like, I want to fly past November and December and be in January for so many reasons that we can't even discuss on today's episode because it would it would throw us all off and I would be talking forever. The point that I'm trying to make is the holidays can be difficult for some people and so if that is you, I am sending you love and light and blessings and I hope that you find something that you can do that helps you during this difficult time, whether that may be taking a vacation, whether that may be speaking with your friends um, and being upfront with them or people in your circle and letting them know that this is a very hard time for you and what they can do or how they can, and how they can support you that's the biggest thing a lot of times people want to support you but they don't know how and if this is a challenging time for you I encourage you to state what it is that you need that can make this time just a little bit easier so I hope that everyone enjoys this time with their family and with their friends and have some time to relax. Some people are off on Friday after Thanksgiving. Some people have to work. But either way, I pray that you take this time to replenish and enjoy life despite things that could be going on that could distract you or make you feel as though you don't have anything to be grateful and thankful about. And honestly, y'all know I do my very best to be transparent as I possibly can. It has been a challenge for me lately as I'm transitioning and moving and got a new client that I'm working with and supporting this awesome project in the state of Maryland for mental health peer support services. I can't get into all the details. We'll have to wait for another episode because I really want to do my best to keep our episodes between 45 minutes and an hour. I would like to keep it at 45 minutes if I can, but no more than an hour. So I don't want to tangent off too much. This week, well, for today's episode, we're going to talk about domestic violence. And I know October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but I believe that it's an issue that we need to highlight all year round. There are so many issues that we need to talk about all year long and of course using that month to heighten or bring more awareness to that issue but domestic violence is something that's extremely important to me because I am not I'm not a survivor but I have been a child who 
have witnessed um, my mom be physically and verbally abused and it has shaped my dating relationships and the things that I will allow and that I will not allow. It has definitely impacted me in more ways than I probably can even imagine. Um, a lot of my anxiety is rooted in that and so this topic is definitely hits home for me. So if you listen to the podcast, you know that I often talk about the experiences and when it comes to my mom and I even had an episode where I talked to my brother who's 18 and he talks about his perspective on it because it's his father who does the who is the abuser and it was interesting to get his perspective but domestic violence damages one's mental physical emotional and spiritual health and if you did not know there are more than one in three women and more than one in four men in the United States they report having experienced rape physical violence and or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime and that's according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. and that's during one year that adds up to more than 10 million men and women who are physically abused and so today I had the honor and the privilege of letting you guys hear this amazing story of Crystal Williams who is a devoted mother and wife and she's also an author and inspirational speaker and the owner of the Christelle series. She started writing in 2017 and she published her book last year. So she started writing in November and one month later she published two books. She's not playing. She is also the director of the Christel Series Book Club, which is located in Bristol, Pennsylvania. And she is a domestic violence survivor and has a story of triumph and truly does give me hope for my mom as she does her best to transition out of this abusive relationship. I really do have hope. And it's something that I talk about, not because I want to paint my mom in a bad light. Like my mom is my best friend and I will go to war for her. But it's something that I talk about because I want more people to become open and sharing their experiences because there's power and there's healing when you live in your truth when you say this is what happened to me this is how I'm dealing with it and this is how I'm healing because you never know who you can encourage to get out of a similar situation so that's why I talk about those stories that's why I do my best to be transparent it's never been about again putting my mom in a bad light or airing any dirty laundry that's not how I roll it's always to provide a different perspective to to help people see how I process things to bring awareness it's always come a very it's always coming from a very very pure and authentic place so I'm going to let you guys get into this awesome interview with Crystal so I hope you guys enjoy it so welcome Crystal to the Fireflies Unite podcast and thank you so much for joining me how are you I'm wonderful thank you for having me (laughs) of course of course Usually when I interview guests, I usually, one of the first questions I always ask them is, was mental health something that was talked about while growing up? I can't say that it was in my household. Um, Not at all. It's not something that we um, actually talked about. 
um, and if the subject ever arose, it was we as black people don't go to therapists or psychiatrists or things like that. It was always like a um, a negative type thing whenever it, it did come up, you know, growing up throughout the household. It's just something that we didn't do. So did you grow up in a very um, religious family? And do you think that if so, did do you think that that had something that that was a part of maybe the reason why? I did grow up in a very religious uh, family. And our answer basically was um, praying to God and having God fix it. Not saying that that's not um, how it should be or, you know, one of the remedies to to fix an issue. But I believe now that I'm older, it's not the only, um, it's not the only remedy for mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I usually hear people say that. As many people mm-hmm. as I've spoke with in person or interviewed on the podcast, they often right. say that I was told to pray it away or I say all the time I was told to talk in tongues for 20 minutes a day. And people, <laughs> as many times as I say it, people are like, someone told you what? They're like, yeah, if you talk in tongues for 20 minutes a day, your depression will go away. And I'm like, um, well, let's do it. I've never heard that one. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to talk in tongues. Um, That is certainly a gift. And I'm not saying that I can't get there spiritually, but it's not something that you just start doing. Um, And so that really pulled me away from the church. And I really had to work to redevelop my relationship with God and define my relationship with God for myself and not allowing someone in the church to tell me what that should look like, but also realizing that it is truly okay to pray. Whatever your religious beliefs are, it's certainly okay to pray to, you know, your higher power, but it's also important that we understand we can also pray, but see a therapist at the same time and take medication if that's needed. And would you say that as you have gotten older, that your view on mental health has changed because of your life experiences? Most definitely. It was almost as if I was narrow-minded growing up because I was too busy listening to what other people thought about mental health. And no, you don't go to um, a therapist, even though it's just to talk to them, you know, to get it out. Um, And I was one to hold everything in and it almost killed me, you Mm -hmm. know? So now my views are totally different and it's okay to have to talk to someone else um, besides God, because it's good to have that one-on-one relationship with him, but also a one-on-one relationship with a human being down here, someone that can actually relate to you, you know, and what you're going through. So my, my views about mental health are definitely different simply because I've, experienced some issues myself. So I'm more sympathetic towards those who have mental issues or are still in denial and don't want to talk to anyone. But um, yes, I'm, I'm definitely sympathetic towards those people now, more people. Just the other week, I was talking about going just to talk to a therapist and I had a negative reaction when I said something about it. It wasn't the point of um, me talking to this particular person wasn't helping. It's just that I need a different point of view. 
because you're looking at it one way. You know me. So maybe it's better to talk to someone who doesn't know me at all, you know, Mm -hmm. and then maybe they could give me their point of view about what I'm going through or what I'm experiencing. So, yeah, so I don't think anything's wrong with it, and I actually encourage it. Absolutely. And I tell people all the time who listen to the podcast or when I see people in person, you know, I've been with the same therapist for three years and it is great to work with someone who one is highly trained and skilled at what they do, but then also they don't, they don't know you personally like a family member or a friend would. So they have an unbiased view of you, but also it does help with talking things out. So that's one point that you brought up. But then the other um, thing that therapy is really good for is identifying irrational thinking and also behavior patterns. So there are so many patterns that we don't even realize sometimes about ourselves or people around us may not realize it because they that's maybe just the way that we function and that could be normal to us. But then when you work with the clinician who has this expertise, they can tell you, well, ask those questions to make you think like, well, why do you think, why do you think about this that way? And where is that emotion or that behavior or that thought? Where is it coming from? Where Where is it rooting it, rooted in, or what is it linked to? And so right. people oftentimes, and even if someone goes to therapy and it's not just about, oh, let's dive into your dark childhood issues, but also daily skills to help you cope with everyday life. Like, you don't, I say all the time, people don't have to be diagnosed with a mental illness or have this deep-rooted trauma. Yes, it's great for that, but it's also everyday stressors that we still have to manage life, whether it's, you know, we're a parent or, you know, we're going to school or we're running a business or we're having a hard time connecting um, with certain people in our lives. There's just a plethora of things that therapy is great for. So I was really grateful that you said that um, just to see how you saying as you developed um, and, you know, become an adult, your views have changed um, because I'm definitely, you know, a proponent and an advocate for therapy and just how it has changed my life. And right. I also know that your story briefly a little bit about your story that you are a victim of mental and physical abuse so can you share a little bit about your story you know when did it start um and just really let people who are listening know a little bit about your story and who you are sure um i'm crystal williams and i'm an author um author of a six book series the Christelle series and i can honestly say The mental and physical abuse started when I was simply a teenager. I was in love with this guy who I later had two children with. And since I didn't do what he wanted me to do, the physical abuse started. And I stayed with him because I had children. And ultimately, I did love him. And then after a while, it was more so mental abuse. Um, I'm not going anywhere because nobody else is going to want you and um, you'll always be mine. And so after I was in that relationship for about nine years um, with the the same thing going on and on. And then after a while, um, I did break loose with the help of God. And maybe 10 months later, I think I was into another situation. This person I actually married. 
Um, there was a physical, a couple physical altercations between the two of us, but mostly um, in that marriage, it was mental abuse. Once again, no one's going to want you because, you know, now at this point I have three children. So two by this boyfriend, one by the husband. Um, no one's going to want you because you have three children and you're this and you're that. So it was constant mental abuse. You know, I wasn't raised like that or to believe that or whatever, but I guess if you hear it so much, you begin to believe it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what some of my problem was. And then um, I went into like a big depression. Um, I started gaining weight because I was eating. That was my comfort. You know, I, I started eating like I shouldn't have been eating, you know, because I knew I was trying to keep my weight down because you're saying that I'm, I'm this and I'm that and no one's going to want me. So I'm going to try and keep my weight down and stuff. After a while, I just said, forget it. You know, maybe he's right. No one's going to want me and I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, you know, so I went through those phases, you know, of my life and it was horrible. It was horrible. And I did pray and I asked God to help me and to make a way for me to escape this this mental abuse, and I think the mental abuse was more so, it was worse, honestly, than the physical. I probably could have taken it physically. Nobody should, but I'm just saying, like, if there was a comparison, I would have rather take the physical more so than the mental because I think it had more of a hold on me, you know, and it was like I was in a rut and I, I couldn't get out of this, this depression and uh, low self-esteem, and I wanted to kill myself, and, you know, all of these different thoughts came to me, and only thing I really had was prayer, because I, I, there was no way I could go to a psychiatrist or whatever, because I was not allowed to go. At this point, I was grown, but he wouldn't allow me to go to someplace like that, so I had nothing else but prayer at this particular time, um, and I did have my pastor, which actually she was a certified psych psychiatrist. So I did talk to her um, about a, a few things, So and that was, like, basically on the phone because when we – and I was still going to church and everything, and I was active in the church, and he was actually active in the church at one particular time. And all of this was still going on, but I, I kept it inside. I never said anything about it. So now that I wrote these books, all of it basically coming out in the book. So I may have some people who don't like me, but I did disclose – you know, keep the names – um, protected names, you know, but anyone who knows me will know who I'm talking about or referring to. And they may not like the story, but it is what it is. It happened, you know, and I'm telling now because I'm free from it. You know, mm -hmm. it's no longer holding me back anymore. So, um, so yeah, that's basically what uh, happened as far as the books and my story and um, the mental abuse and the physical abuse. Well, as I am sitting here and listening, Mm -hmm. my a, a lot came up for me because my mom is in the process of leaving of trying to get out of an abusive relationship that she has been in for ooh, I, over definitely over 12 years one of the things is what I, I want you to speak to is people who look for, look from the outside in and they're being very judgmental to the person who's actually being abused like why don't right. they just leave or they're so stupid? He keeps he keeps hitting you or he keeps treating you like that. Um, can you speak to the 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 debilitating or paralyzing mental and emotional impacts of a person 
who of the abuser and how they can be very manipulative and oh, how they can be very controlling and place so much fear in a person. Can you speak to those people who who maybe never experienced mental or emotional abuse, but they're judging from the outside looking in? Yes. Um, as I was saying before, the way he would talk to me and talk down to me, it was almost crippling. And at first, I didn't believe him. Oh, he's just upset, you know. And this is someone that I was actually married to. Whether it's marriage or a, relation, a long-term relationship, nine times out of ten, you're, you're in love with that person. You love that person. That's why you're there. That's why you're staying, you know. So when he would talk to me in this manner, I would brush it off at first until I could no longer brush it off. And then that's when the depression and stuff um, started. And, and me, I held everything in. So people around me really didn't know what I was going through unless it was a girlfriend that I talked to or, like I said, my pastor or whatever. Um, my godmother I, I talked to about different things. And them saying, leave, why don't you leave, um, it, it wasn't that easy to leave. Mm -hmm. Somebody could say it's easy for you to just pick up your stuff and leave. No, it's not. You have three children, you know, and where are you going to go? Yeah, I could always go back to my, my parents' house or, or whatever, but then if I go back to my parents' house, then I'm going to have to tell the whole story. And right now it's still fresh to me, so I can't, you know, because I'm still hurt. I'm still, you know, like I said, crippling. It was like I couldn't do for myself. I couldn't get up and, and walk on my own two feet. Physically I could, but mentally I was, like, paralyzed. I was, I was crippled because um, I had beat, been beaten down so bad mentally and it hurts it hurts worse than a physical hurt and for somebody on the outside looking in saying to just leave that person it's not always that easy and you can say that because you're not in that person's situation there are different factors to consider when you're physically in that abusive situation whether it's mentally or physically it's easy for you to say because you're not dealing with it. You know, and some people say, well, I stay for the children. That may be some people's uh, reason for staying. You don't know, you know, and somebody else, well, I love him and I, I see something different in him. This is not the person I fell in love with or, or whatever. I'm still waiting for that other person to show up. What if it doesn't come back? You know what I mean? So before either one of us killed each other, it was time to go. And this, I was in the marriage for 10 years. So it wasn't like, a year and then I was just out. No, I stayed in this marriage for 10 years with the physical abuse and the mental abuse. So some people say just get out. Sometimes it's not that easy. So you can't be judgmental to somebody who is still in an abusive relationship because you don't know the whole situation. They tell you what they want you to know, but you don't know every single thing that's going on in that relationship. So you can't be so judgmental and quick to say, if, I, if that was me, I would just leave. But it's not you, you know. Mm -hmm. So you have to be more sympathetic to people who's in that situation, you know. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, and like you were saying, going to some of the factors. So there are some factors where the abuser, they have all of the finances. So then they're controlling the finances. And maybe the abuser could be the, the abuser is the only person working. So the person who's being abused has to rely on the abuser financially. And then if there's kids, children involved, like you said, it makes it more complicated. Or exactly. maybe the, and you know, when I think about 
the things that my mom has gone through. My mom has always been the primary breadwinner and she has always been the one holding down everything financially and doing and taking care of the children. My mom has seven children. And so, but as a child, there were so many things I didn't understand. Like, mommy, I don't just understand why my why my mom doesn't leave. You know, there, because as a ch- as a child, I also became angry because I was like, I don't understand. This is damaging not only my mother, but it's damaging the children that are in the house. You know, because as children, you are essentially to a certain extent you're helpless and you rely on your parents for pretty much everything. So, I totally agree. I was just going to say, like you were saying about him, he was a breadwinner, so I couldn't just up and leave either, you know? Mm-hmm. And as far as the children, you being a child saying, mom, why don't you just leave? That's almost like my oldest daughter. She grew, I don't know, it was like not a hate for him, but it was a strong dislike is what I'm going to say because mm-hmm. of the things that she saw, her being the oldest, you know? So I can understand what you're saying, you know, you're saying as a child, mom, why don't you just leave and, and different things like that. But it was also crippling because I wasn't the, the breadwinner in this situation. At some point in time, he didn't allow me to work because he wanted to handle the money. He wanted to, it was a bunch of control. Mm-hmm. Everything I did, he had to control. When I went to the grocery store buying, you know, regular food, I had to bring the receipts back home. It was, it was a situation. Yeah. And I didn't tell any of this, like I said, until the books came out. And what did, what was the breaking point? What was that point when you said enough is enough and I can't do this? Because I remember you mentioned, mentioning that before one of us kill each other, mm-hmm. I need to get out of this. But what was it? A, was it something that he said, something that he did? Was it a relative that came to you? What was that like aha moment? Like, this is it. I'm done. Honestly, there were a a few things that led up to that moment. There was, um, like I said, there was a physical altercation, um, something simple. My daughter was chewing gum, my youngest daughter, um, which was also his daughter, was sitting on a bed chewing gum. He was ironing his clothes. She was chewing, but she was chewing loudly. You know how you chew and your mouth Mm -hmm. is open or whatever. He slapped her in the face. And I don't know, it sent something through me. I mean, you can physically abuse me, but don't you dare, you know, touch my child. Not that way. There's a difference between chastising and just being mad at me so you want to hit her. You know what I mean? So, and that I didn't like at all. So that was one of the incidences um, later um, in the relationship. Because all before I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't do anything. Like I said, I kept everything in. But then after a while, I became vocal. You know, so it was different things that led up to me being vocal and me just saying, okay, it is what it is. I don't care at this, at this point. But the, the last thing, and it may seem simple to somebody else, but it meant a whole lot to me. There was one day I called. Um, I called him and I said, do you miss me? And he said, <laughs> I didn't think about it. And that was the end for me. <laughs> and like I said, it's something small to somebody else. But for me, to put up with everything that you've dished out to me and to not even give me a thought throughout the day, that was like the worst thing to me. You know, so that was like, I guess they say the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I took mm-hmm. all of this other stuff, but you almost like pushed me to the side, didn't even give me a thought. And that, I think, is what hurt me the worst. So then that was 
what made um, up my mind, you know, that I have to go. It's time for me to go because apparently you really don't care anything about me anymore. And that was it. I started preparing to, to leave. I, he didn't know anything about it. Um, by the time he knew, I had an apartment and I was moving in. Me and the children were moving in. I don't need you at this point because, I mean, at this point I, I did start working and everything because bills were piling up and different things because he wanted to handle it. You know, I, I wasn't allowed to work and different things. But once everything started piling up, then it was okay for me to work, you know. Um, so I started saving my money, and I put the down payment and everything on my um, my little apartment, just something small for me and my children, but it was mine, and we would have peace, you know what I mean, um, and not living in that chaos that we had just come out of. So that was that was it for me when I said I'm done. Wow. So after you left and you moved and you moved away into your new apartment. He didn't, he didn't decide to pursue you um, to try to get back with you, or did you, like, go through with the restraining order? What was that process like? Because sometimes with abusers, you know, they will go after the person. So what was your time like during that transition? He did um, try to pursue the relationship and wanted to come back, and, um, and actually... At that particular time, I did let him back because he was, at this point, homeless. He had no place to stay and living in his car. And me being the person that I am, I have a soft heart, and I did let him stay there. But he slept in the living room, and me and my children slept, you know, in the separate room. Um, And then after a while, that didn't work anymore. So we ended up moving somewhere else, me and my children. But this time, I had learned my lesson because you didn't change any. You know, I thought maybe you were going to change or whatever. And that didn't happen. So we moved into a house that was right around the corner from my my parents' house. And he still came there and tried to move in there, too. He tried to move in there, too. But at that point, I had, you know, put my foot down, and I'm like, enough is enough. You know, you deserve better than this. And even though he had a convincing argument, I didn't break this time. You know, and I was actually proud of myself because I was still trying to be, at this point, we were still married. And, um... I think I was in the house for about a year, and then I got served with the uh, divorce papers. He divorced me. <laughs> I guess when he realized I was not coming back, there was no more us, um, and I was finally finished. So he ended up divorcing me. So, But I think it was best that he divorced me because if I would have did the divorce or, you know, went through the whole thing with the divorce, maybe I would have like stopped it in midstream. So even though he he um, initiated the divorce, I think that was almost like a scare tactic because in the past we had never talked about, or we had always talked about never getting a divorce or uh, once we're married, we're married for life. So it was another, like his last attempt to get me to come back because he knew how I felt about divorce. So, and when I didn't give in, I just signed the papers and mailed them off. And um, I was finally free. I was finally done. And he didn't expect that. So, yeah. <laughs> there was wow. no restraining order, no no, nothing. Yeah, he divorced me. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it just, you know, of course, it's a close tie-in for me. And it pulls on so many emotional strings for me um, because there is hope 
And I, you know, especially for anyone who's listening, who has been in an abusive relationship, who can relate or someone who is currently in an abusive relationship or going through a divorce currently from being in an abusive relationship can hear that, you know, yes, it does take time, but it does get better. And I would like you, since that's an experience that you have, that I'm just a, a child who witnessed it, but talking about how did how has this impacted your relationship with your children um have you o- had open conversations about what they saw and how it impacted them um did it pull you know put a rift in the relationship or did it bring you guys closer together it actually brought me and my children closer together because he was no longer in the picture so it, it was almost like they had me to themselves at this point you know so i took that time away from dating and, you know, anything else. You know, I focused on my children. You know, it was work and church and my children, home, you know what I mean? Different things like that because I know they needed that time because I know what I experienced and I'm sure they experienced some similar things because uh, every now and then my children will still talk about different things, but now they're laughing. It's not like a, a hurtful thing. Mom, remember when... Uh, such and such did this or did that and, you know, and how you reacted and, and different things like that. So it's like an open conversation. They're, the hurt is no longer there anymore, you know, um, because they see that I'm happy now and that's all that matters to them. You know, I'm not going through that, um, those issues anymore. So they're okay with, you know, how things, and, and we keep an open relationship because of, you know, things like that. You know, and some of the stuff they tell me, um, I didn't even know, you know, because I guess they hid it from me. Because I don't know how they thought I was going to react, but they told me things that happened during this marriage that, that I didn't know about, you know, and I'm looking at them like, well, why didn't you say that or whatever, you know, but like I said, it, it wasn't hurtful things or whatever, but it still happened and I would have liked to know it. So that's why I think we keep an open relationship about everything now. You know, all of my children. I have three children, so. Are they, are your children older now or are they still like in high school? I have a 22-year-old, I have a 19-year-old, and I have a 15-year-old. My 15-year-old is still in high school. The 22-year-old is actually over in El Salvador playing professional basketball. And I have a 19-year-old who's in college, upstate New York, Utica. Wow. Congratulations on all your children's successes. That's awesome. Thank you. And what would you say, since from your experience, what would you say would be some words of encouragement um, that you would give to a person who is currently um, still in an abusive relationship and wants to get out and they have all these emotions? Maybe they're dealing with depression, anxiety, or they're very fearful. What Mm -hmm. words of encouragement would you give to them? I would say, because I am a Christian, I am a praying woman, I would definitely say to pray to God because he does hear you. But if you're allowed to, because I wasn't allowed to, but if you're allowed to seek help, because let somebody know, I held it in and it it was almost detrimental. So I would say, speak out about it. Let people know, you know, you're not in it by yourself, but you have to let people know like what's going on. And I I can, I was one of the people who said, I don't want people in my business and different things. But if I knew then what I know now, I would have said something, whether it was to my parents or, or to my pastor or a close friend, something, someone that I could confide in that could even reach out for help for me because I couldn't help myself at that particular time. 
So just don't be silent about it, whether it's mental abuse or physical abuse. You have to tell somebody in order to get some kind of help. Absolutely. And one of the things that I also meant to ask you about was, would you say that when you struggled with your suicidal thoughts, was it your children that kept you um, or did that kept you from actually attempting or did you have an attempt or was it just or did you, what was it that kept you from going through with it if you did not attempt? Well, there were several times I had suicidal attempts um, early on when I was going through with my oldest two children, uh, their father. Um, and it was just because of, you know, everything he was doing to me um, and around me. And I wanted to commit suicide. And I mean, it was like to just go ahead and do it. You know, the voice kept saying, go ahead and do it. But it was almost like it was a stronger voice. You know what I mean? That almost like took over because like I said, I was, I was in church. I, I'm a religious person. So the, the prayer part was, it was a major part of my life. It still is, you know, I pray every day. And, um, it was a major thing. I think that kept me from doing it during those, um, depressing times, you know, and then just a short story that when my oldest daughter was on her, she was in college upstate as well. And um, this was recently, I guess the past year or so. And I was on my way up there to go pick her up, to bring her back home. And just as clear as day, it was almost like something told me to run my car into the median. This was maybe like a year or so ago. And I'm like, wait a minute, because it was just so much going on. Everything was going on. And I wasn't myself, you know, I would be better. I felt this way, you know. My children would be better off if I wasn't here, you know, different things like that. And basically it told me to run my, my car into the median while I was driving and I'm a fast driver. So I would have killed myself. And I began praying while I was driving and everything. And then after a while, it was like a calming that came over me and thank God I didn't, you know, do what, whatever that was told me to do because I wouldn't be here now talking to you, you know? So I'm just grateful that I, I was raised in church. I do have that relationship with God. And I do pray often. So I know that prayer does work, you know, so that would be one of my, one of my things, you know, to pray, you know, always pray. Sometimes it doesn't seem like your answer is coming or you're not getting through or whatever, just keep praying. And I know that that's like what everybody says, but it is true, you know, because I feel the same way being a Christian, you know, sometimes that my prayers aren't getting through, but I know that they are. And he may not answer the way that I'm expecting him to answer, but the answer is yet there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's just like a major, a major thing to, to continue to pray and to seek help. I mean, like I said, you're not in this by yourself, um, but you have to, you have to seek help, you know, in order to get help. And that's something that, you know, I would always highly um, encourage, even if sometimes we feel like life is fine and there isn't anything going wrong. But right. the other part of that is, if we are, if we use therapy as a way to be proactive versus reactive, we will have coping strategies and skills. So when those right. tri so when those trying times do come, we can put those coping uh, skills into place, and we will already have developed them by the time something happens in our lives. And so that's something right. that I also want people to understand as well. It doesn't have to be, oh my God, my life is falling apart or I'm right. struggling with something. It could be a, a way to be preventative, just like you go get your uh, annual checkup at your doctor right. to mm -hmm. check to make sure everything is okay. And so that's something that I also want you know people to understand. And 
I cannot let you go without okay. you briefly talked about your books. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you was what led you to pursue writing and how has it helped you in rebuilding your life and healing? What started me writing was um, I always said that I could because I'm, I'm a reader, you know, and I'm like, well, I can do this. Well, I, I pushed it off for several years. And um, and then I just one day I just started writing and it had to be God that led me to start writing. And I was just going to tell a story. But then it was almost like, who story can you tell better than yourself, you know? So um, and I'm just like, OK, well, if I do that, then everybody's going to know my business. Everybody's going to start looking at me, you know, a certain way, because now they're going to know what I really went through, you know, and just didn't tell. But as I began writing these um, books, I wrote two books in December of last year, um, two books in one month. And it was almost like a push that um, had me writing these books, you know. And then um, as I started writing, there were things that I relived, you know, because this is my life story. And um, as I was reliving some of these things, um, when I had the computer, I just started crying, you know, because it was still there. It, w it still hurt, you know. And I'm like, I, I got to stop. I can't continue to write, you know. And I heard clear as day, God is, was saying to me that I'm healing you while you're writing this, these books. You're, you're not just telling a story. It's a purpose to these, you know, the story that I'm telling, you know, and it's because I, I need to heal you, you know, because you can't help anybody else if you're still hurt from what you went through. So I took a minute and I, I gathered myself, you know, and um, I continued writing and I'm like, okay, so if I'm going to be healed while writing, then I'm going to, you know, go ahead and continue to write. And I'm glad that I did finish my books because it's helped me to help other people. I've gotten so much feedback about the books that I've written saying um, how it's helped them. And they were going through something similar, you know, and it helped them to, to get out or to know what may come next or, you know, different things like that. So that's, made me feel really good because, okay, it wasn't me just writing a story. These stories were to help somebody, you know, and they really actually got help by reading it. And it's because, you know, God started it, you know, through me. So I'm just happy that um, I was able to get all the books out. There may be another one coming, <laughs> maybe next year. We'll see what happens um, because book six is basically up to when I got married again. So I am currently married and I did from age 16 to, I guess, to about 39. I'm 40 now. So, so yeah, so it's a whole series about my, my life, the things I went through and things I endured, suffered. And I just hope people, other people will, will get help through what I've written because it's definitely, you know, helped me to get it out. Your story is just truly inspiring. If someone is interested in connecting with you or purchasing your book, can you share your website and your social media handles so that people can connect with you? Sure. It's um, www.crystal-williams.com. They can go to, I'm on Facebook, the Christelle series. Twitter is the Chris series, C-H-R-Y-S. Instagram, I am the Christelle series author with hyphens in between each word. And of course, email the Christelle series at yahoo.com. That's awesome. And what I will do is I will be sure to leave all of your social media handles, your email and your website all in the show notes. So y'all, everyone who's listening can refer back to the show notes and make sure that 
y'all connect with Crystal and also purchase her books to support her. Or even I would encourage you to give it as a gift to someone who you think that it can be helpful to. And then also just simply to support everything that she's doing and how it's actually helping to heal people. So thank you so much, Crystal, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So for this week's therapist shout out, I have to give a shout out to a therapist who I connected with on Twitter. And she has a practice that is located and I'm about to tell y'all right now because I am looking on the website. I'm not 100% sure where they're located. I believe it's in Delaware. But the name of the practice is the Center for Child Development, and they are based in, let's see, and they are based in Newark, Delaware, and they specialize in working with tweens and teens. So if you're a parent listening to the podcast and you're near the Newark, Delaware area, Make sure you check out the Center for Child Development and their website is www.thecenterforchilddevelopment.com. I'll be sure to leave the information in the show notes so that you can refer back to it and check out the practice. They treat conditions such as anxiety disorders, Asperger's disorders, uh, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, which is also known as ADHD. They also treat autism. They also work with common behavior problems. They work with depression and mild mood disorders, as well as as well as obsessive compulsive disorder, which is also known as OCD. All right, you guys. So for this week's mind, body, and soulness segment. I'm going to do something a little light because I really do try to have some balance when it comes to the podcast because mental health can be very heavy, but it doesn't always have to be. So for this week's Mind, Body, and Soulness segment, I want to encourage you all to eat some dark chocolate. And here's the reason why, because there are health benefits of dark chocolate. Definitely very nutritious. So if you didn't know, dark chocolate is filled with fiber, magnesium, iron, copper, and it also has plenty of potassium and zinc. So a lot of people think chocolate is like, oh, it's going to make you gain weight. I'm not saying go and eat a whole bag of chocolate, but not, and we're not talking about milk chocolate. We're talking about dark chocolate. Dark chocolate also has antioxidants, which are really good for fighting against cancer cells. So one study showed that cocoa and dark chocolate had made more antioxidant activity um, and that than any other fruits that was actually tested, which included blueberries and acai berries. It's also may improve blood flow and lower blood pressure. So if y'all didn't know, I keep telling y'all, a lot of people don't like dark chocolate because they think they say it's too bitter. So they prefer milk chocolate, you know, because it's sweeter. But you can do, there are so many things you can do. You can get you some dark chocolate and you can dip a strawberry in there to make, you know, to kind of like balance out the taste with the sweet and the bitterness. 
which I love dark chocolate strawberries, y'all. They are just, it's also a great snack if you feel like you want something sweet, but then also that's healthy. Dark chocolate may also reduce heart disease. Cocoa was found, or dark chocolate was found to reduce the risk of death from heart disease heart disease by over 50% over a 15-year period, and that was in elderly men that they did a test over. And it's also showed that eating dark chocolate more than five times per week lowered the risk of heart disease. Another thing to think about is that dark chocolate could actually improve brain function. See, don't sleep on dark chocolate. I keep telling y'all. One study of healthy volunteers showed that eating dark chocolate for five days improved blood flow to the brain. So if you need, you know, some stamina in your brain, (laughs) y'all definitely better eat y'all some dark chocolate. It may also significantly improve cognitive function in elderly people with mental impairment. And it may also improve verbal fluency and several risks for disease as well. So I hope that you guys got something out of this. And like I said, if you don't like the taste of dark chocolate because it's too bitter, find something to mix it with that's sweet, whether it's fruit, like I said, dipping a strawberry in some dark chocolate. You can also mix it like if you're going to make something with it, you can put some agave, which is a natural sweetener from the agave plant which is better than like refined sugar. So I encourage y'all, enjoy the holidays, eat some dark chocolate. I'm not saying to um, overdo it, but definitely consider how it can definitely impact your overall health. And I'll be sure to leave a link in the show notes so that you guys can refer back to that article that talks about the benefits of eating dark chocolate. All right, so that wraps up another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast. I hope that what Crystal shared, that it resonates with someone, even if you personally haven't experienced physical and mental abuse, maybe you know someone, and I encourage you, share this episode with them. Purchase uh, Crystal's books and share it with someone. Give them some encouragement and I encourage y'all to be less judgmental when people are in situations such as abuse because it is so easy to look at people from the outside looking in and say, I would do this if I was them or I would do this if this happened to me. But we really don't know what we would do in that situation. The The very thing that we think we will do when we're in a situation, we wind up doing the complete opposite. So during my mental health journey, I have learned to be less critical and less judgmental of other people because of the things that I have experienced. This is not to say I let people walk all over me or let people take advantage of me or anything, but I'm more understanding because I understand that not everyone has the same coping skills or healthy coping skills. Not everyone has access to the same resources. People have experienced life differently and it has shaped the person that they have become so I just encourage us to be a bit more loving and have more empathy and compassion for people you all have a blessed week enjoy the holidays and I will talk to you all next week
thank you so much for listening. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health. But please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.